Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. I noticed something about myself this morning. My chin... I just can't even... <laughs> my chin is not level. Uh, yeah, neither is mine. My, it's, it's kind of a, a weird little... You know, you, you talk about that uncanny valley where, yeah. you know, the fa- faces... When you're doing CG faces and stuff, mm-hmm. the one thing that throws it off is the symmetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it looks fake because it's symmetrical. I don't know. Just something I noticed. My chin's crooked. Well, at least we prove <coughs> it, but it makes it unlikely that you are a synthetic human. I am not a synthetic human. I may have some synthetic emotions every now and again, Although depending have, on who I'm depending on who I'm uh, interacting with. We haven't actually um, done many of the things that were done to certain synthetics to cause that to be revealed. That's true. Um, which will not be in the plan for this evening because I did not bring um, large plastic sheeting. <laughs> I actually have some right over there. Uh, it's All what's right. it's Hang what's on. left of the bubble wrap. Let me go get a heavy armor. <sighs> Something sharp. <laughs> another right back, folks. <laughs> another thing. I got these. I got this. Um, I got this headset a while back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice, shiny. You plug it in, it lights up. It's red. Mm-hmm. Does it work? Doesn't work. Ber- worth crap. I, uh, I the ear, the ear, the ear cups are muffled. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. in there is muffled, and the microphone doesn't pick up anything. Really, I tried. Uh, I tried using it. Oh, when was it? Saturday night. When uh, Saturday night when I did uh, just a hanging out mm-hmm. live stream yeah. thing just to test some stuff and to see what what was what and uh it didn't it didn't pick up anything it was a lot of hiss a lot of noise I, um, it's bad my, he's ordered uh, a headset for my boss today um because she drives a lot for work a lot of clients that that she goes and sees in person and uh-huh. Um, that drive time um, needs to be productive work time sometimes. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose it does. And so often uh, she'll be on the phone with me and saying, hey, we've got this, you know, I need you to write this down. And I'll be like, all right, you know, she's got these notes and she's going from one, one meeting to another and that sort of thing. And she has found that the headset that she has is very noisy. Uh, and uh-huh. she, people have a hard time hearing her. What? She, yeah. Exactly. Um, and she's like, I never have a hard time hearing you. And so, you know, look at headsets. And I'm like, okay, well, fine. And so I put together a list. And I said, you know, all right, I've got a, I've got a short list for you. It's not, I've got, I'm just starting with this. There's more I can do. And I said, she goes, okay, what's the price range? And I said, well, the first one on the list is, is the same model that I'm using to talk to you right now. She's like, well, you always sound great. I'm like, well, okay, but it's a $23 headset. Uh, <laughs> See this one. This one was twenty. This one was twenty three, and it, it's you know it, it's not a bad looking headset. No, and no. it's got all the plugs. It's got the you know, it's got 
you know, it's got a, it says here, high sensitivity microphone. That's a lie. Extreme soft and ventilate ear cushion. Um, English is not their first language, clearly. Um, it's it's a comfortable headset. Well, see, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't important. squeeze my head, you know, because yeah, some yeah. of those uh-huh. they get the tension in the spring, right. yeah. and it start you know you get especially with the full cup mm-hmm. headsets that cover yeah. the ears. Some of them they just really it's like a vice on your head, right. yeah. and and this one is not. This one is this one is very is fairly comfortable, and it's got the little inline the little volume control, and sure. it's got the the mic. And it looks good, and it's got the plugs for individual, you know, headset mm-hmm. and microphone, and then right. you've got a, a USB for the power for the LED. But it's just not working for it. It just doesn't work. So, yeah, I um, um, we ordered her basically the newest version of my headset, my wireless headset that I use. Because, you know, I, I spent the last four years driving for a living. Yeah. And so, you know, I listen to a ton of audiobooks in the car. Uh, speaking of which, um, our friend Aaron, who uh, is an author, Aaron Hollingsworth, who was author out at, at PopCon, yes. um, gave me, like, access codes to, like, six of his audiobooks. Oh, Audible. good. So, okay. we're having a lot of, uh, we, we picked up some, some stuff at, at PopCon uh, that we'll be doing some reviews on. There'll be some, audio, uh, some audiobook reviews coming up here. Um, and we also have um, some comic books that we yes. picked up that we're going to do um, some stuff. Yeah, there's there's some there's some local stuff, some local talent here in the Kansas City area that we're going to be bringing to you folks if you have are not aware of these folks. And and be, even though we know Aaron personally, he was very clear that he expects a quality review. He is not you know just because we know him doesn't mean we have to be nice. Right. Um, and uh, while we do not try to be mean with reviews, we do try to be honest. So we don't want to sit there and go, Aaron's wonderful, and because Aaron's a nice guy, but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Aaron, our 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 my connection with Aaron, and with the site actually, uh, he has contributed here before mm-hmm. because he wrote the theme music for Comic Con Carney, oh, okay. our our comic book news program that's still kind of sitting out there and not. It's right now. It's in limbo because one, I don't have a host. Two, we don't have time to make it. But, um, but yeah, there's there's that. Um, I should probably let me do this since we are live. See if there's any comments or questions. I'm going to double check and make sure that nobody's talking to us. He's also involved with the local film community. Yeah, and uh, which is how I met him initially. I think. Uh, but I've known him. We've known him for for several years. So it's always cool. It's always cool to see people out there who you know are creating, creating, uh, you know, something something in the genre world. We, yeah. We've got a lot of friends in the world, uh, but it's always nice. Uh, and Kansas City again. We keep we we will say this over and over and over again. Kansas City is a, a town of creative people. Uh, there is a lot of talent in this town. Well, and not only that, uh, it looks as if things are on track for Missouri to bring their film incentives back. Yes, I hope they Possibly. are. I hope they are. I have not looked over the how this one breaks down. Um, we've seen in the past when it is handled well, it can really be a boon for a state. Uh-huh. And we can, when we see it is handled poorly, it can be a real issue. Uh, my family is uh, from Iowa, and the Iowa Iowa has no film credit program anymore right. because of a bit of a fraud thing. Yeah, that can that can happen. People uh, running you, and stealing basically from the from the fund. So that's you gotta you gotta be careful. The thing the thing that gets me and and I have talked to I have talked to a number of people here about it over the years, being a filmmaker myself. Um, 
the the characterization is wrong when 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 this particular program this this particular incentive program is introduced and discussed and you know, people are are going back and forth talking about it they're always calling it tax credits tax incentives and it's really not the way the way this thing works <clears throat> is a film production comes into or or a tv you know reality tv or tv per show or whatever netflix show comes into a state and or in our case comes into Kansas City because Kansas City has an incentive program they come into an area that has an incentive program i'm going to spend as a producer as a production company i'm going to spend $100,000 sure okay well what ends up happening is that you get back i think when 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 missouri had the incentive program before it was 35% i think so you get back 35% of that 100,000 you spend in the state in terms of savings and region but it's a rebate yeah, it's not it's not a a break on taxes it's you spend 100,000 then you get credit for was 35% of 100,000 3500 mm -hmm. okay 100,000 35% of 35,000 okay so 35,000 all right, which then they can turn around and they can say, okay, um, here, production company B, I didn't use these incentives. I'll sell them to you. So it's a, it's, a, it's a commodity at that point. But it's not anything having to do with taxes. It's not a, it's not a tax program. I'm not it's, sure where, the, where it originated, whether the original versions of this were a tax program, but it's became like a shorthand. It's like Kleenex or Xerox. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a program that has has been beneficial to some degree. Yeah. Again, it's all about how it's managed and how the states are using it and how it's structured. I mean, Louisiana became a huge, huge place for filming, but um, they didn't necessarily the state didn't ultimately see benefit from yeah. that. And they, so it all all depends on how it's structured. Um, now we've had we have the people. People who are here, um, our Kansas City Film Office, and again, Kansas City has its own program aside from the state, from any state program, have been very, very good about bringing business to Kansas City. Uh, you may not be aware how many reality TV shows shoot in Kansas City. There's a, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, Jason works them. I, I work a few. I haven't done one in a while. Um, GJ Videos in the live chat, no. Uh, did we watch the Game of Thrones last night? Did you have you I seen? Did not. I'm gonna I'm going to confess something here to folks, and and I realize this is going to be uh, a scandalous uh, assertion on my part. We could lose our entire audience right now. I haven't folks. seen an episode. I've seen not not for any particular reason. Okay, when the show came on the air, mm -hmm. I think there were so many things going on that I just I just did not have the time to sit down and devote myself to it. And I've heard I've heard you know. So many people who, who are huge fans tell me that I really need to check it out. And I absolutely intend to. And oddly enough, with the show coming to an end, it will be easier for me to sit down and binge watch it. Yeah. And because I have not seen episodes, I've stayed relatively spoiler free all this time. I know it's just bizarre. but I have, because uh, HBO sent us the first season on DVDs. Mm, sure. mm -hmm. And 
all this time, I have not had HBO. I've I've not paid for HBO as part of my cable package. And this this past year, here in just recent months, I got rid of cable altogether. Yeah. So I don't even have TV right now. Um, anything that I watch is either coming through Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or online. And I I have not watched HBO. I did watch the first season. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, you know, it's <clears throat> to me. <sighs> I'm one of those people that if you do violence and nudity and sex and drugs and alcohol and whatever you know, fill in the blank uh, to the extreme that it's that it's at the point where it's gratuitous. At, I check out. I'm like, okay, this this is absolutely unnecessary to the story. How does this serve the story? Mm-hmm. And first season of, of Game of Thrones, from from a story standpoint, yeah, okay, it's pretty good. But all of the other superfluous mm-hmm. stuff just kind of kicked me out of it. I was like, I don't, I don't care about any of these people. But I know at some point I probably am going to need to watch them all. I know uh, uh, it's you know it's a big it's a big deal to a lot of fans, and especially now with what's going on here. Um, I guess this past episode, the Battle of Winterfell finally happened, um, which is something that that if I'm reading things right was something that a lot of people have been expecting to happen for a while. Yeah, and. Uh, because um, I'm relatively spoiler free, doesn't mean I've, I've missed. We're it. peripherally aware of things. We've got friends that are that are uh, big watchers. My brother-in-law. So. Every time, every time we talk, he's like, "Have you seen it?" I'm like, mm. "No, we've had this discussion. I haven't watched any of it yet." And he's like, "When are you watching it?" And I'm like, um, no. I don't, "You know." But the, but honestly, like I said, it's with the show coming to an end. Oddly enough, it will be. Um, mm. A lot easier, easier to uh, We did run recaps for a while. Carrie Evans was running, was writing recaps, and she did a really good job to it too. Until she got too busy. Um, but we've Curtis. If, doing something Curtis like what was like, Curtis doing? Did he do Game of Thrones? Vague. I have a vague memory. Of that. Maybe, maybe early. Yeah. Maybe early, like first season. Maybe. Man, that was a long time but ago. But yeah, no, it's it's a huge... I mean, I have so many friends who are just gigantic fans of it, and, and um, there's always, every episode, there's something popping up, and I'm so barely on Facebook anymore. Yeah. But it's so many of it, you know, it'll... After the episode, there will be something on my Facebook feed going, Game of yep. Thrones, something. I'm like, hmm. So, um, it's on we- the list of a lot of shows that I didn't... I haven't actually watched in a while or or haven't gotten involved in because of time so that so that is our um so that's our chat response um we need to we need to do our sponsor bit real quick now that i'm i'm engineering from a from afar afar, yeah i'll let you i'll let you all right well folks uh this show really quick and i'm gonna pop this up uh uh, H2O is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com, and they are a fine purveyor of many genre things. If you happen to be a fan of, oh, I don't know, a small little film about superheroes that opened uh, just, I don't know, a few days ago and blew every box office record out of the water. Oh, that was a, there, yeah. Uh, which I still haven't seen, so no spoilers, please. Uh, I need to see it in the theater. It's one of those films that I'm, I, I need to see it on the big screen. And it is... 
uh, a Marvel picture, and there's DC pictures, and there's Star Trek and Star Wars. If you are interested in this sort of genre stuff, if you want the cool things, you need to check out SuperheroStuff.com. They have an amazing selection of things for the genre fan. Now, oh. you, you can get a discount uh, from them uh, th through us, uh, uh, Sci-Fi For Me 10 at checkout. You put that in, you'll save 10% off your total order, including some sale items. A lot of some of this stuff does combine. Never done everything always does, of course, but um, you can save 10% if you put in Sci-Fi For Me 10, and we encourage you to take advantage of that promotion because they are a great sponsor of this show. And other shows we do. Yes. Yes, they are. See. So. I've been two places at once. Like magic. Scooby doo, scooby doo, scooby doo. We're um, okay. So I was uh, I I did this thing over the weekend that was just completely on a whim. Whatever. Um, Sailor Mooncaster. No. Peter Peter Samedi, who's the the publisher at Alternate Comics. Yeah. He every now and again will get on and just and just talk, uh, do a live stream about what's going on with all of his stuff. They they just recently got into a bigger storage facility because his business is expanding by leaps and bounds because everybody is is really uh, taken by what he's doing. And I thought, you know, why, why not just kind of see what happens? So, and plus, it was a way for me to test the headset that doesn't work. Sure, right. So Saturday night, um, I got myself a can of pineapple and my glass of tea, and I just sat down and I just, I just opened up a stream and just started streaming for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Not really anything, just shooting the breeze, just, just chilling, relaxing, whatever. Right. right. And um, where was I going with that? I have no idea. <laughs> <coughs> oh, 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 the delay. That's the, um, I was, I was looking at it and I was noticing, of course, I was monitoring on one, one of the screens over there and I was noticing a huge delay and I was thinking, why is this, why is this taking so long? It was a 26 second delay and looking at the, looking at the settings, mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a low regular latency low latency high latency or whatever there's different settings for sure, this right. for the i guess for the the speed and some of them apparently are enough of a delay for youtube to try to do closed captioning i guess maybe oh interesting okay. which uh, there yeah also inconveniences yeah because all of a sudden i'm like why is this going so slow all right so gjj videos asking another question here what's your opinion on the Eric Butts reaction to episode nine trailer, a person thinks is pathetic. I don't know who Eric Butts is. Is okay, he is he another know. is he another YouTuber? I'll have to look that up. I don't know. Eric Butts. Okay, I don't I don't, I don't know the name. Um at the risk of sounding old. <laughs> I do not follow YouTube many YouTube <laughs> I follow a few. Um, personalities so, and, and then and that's not and that's not a uh, uh, an active I don't have any desire to follow YouTube personalities yeah again it comes down to I have X number of hours in my free time and I'm trying to spend them yeah uh, well I have so. to check that out and see because I have not uh, I have not heard of Eric Butts and I yeah, have not seen about, we did talk about the uh, trailer on trailer park yes a show that we produce here yes yeah we've we've done that uh we've talked about it on trailer park we've talked about it also during all of the live coverage that we did from celebration 
um, which is where we found GJ Videos here, who's who's following us now. Um, those of you who are new, uh, and and those of you who have recently subscribed and gotten us up to the point where we're past our threshold for. Uh, for monetization tools, first of all, I want to thank everybody for, for getting us there. Uh, but also let you know that we do have Super Chats available now. And this is still a thing that's kind of a new thing. But if you go in, if you're on your mobile device, or even if you're on desktop, in the live chat mm -hmm. widget, somewhere in there, and it's usually on the bottom... There's a little box, and I think you can see that here. You see that little box right uh -huh, there? There's yeah. a little box that's got a got a, a, a dollar sign in it. I have the words. Do you? I do. You keep them in the box? <laughs> yeah, yes. No, actually, that's where the comic books are. Oh, okay. Um, the words are in the shed yeah. out in the back. Um, uh, yeah, I have the body of an 18-year-old. Uh, in the trunk, <laughs> yes. Remember to bury them vertically. They're harder to find that way. Um, I read about that somewhere. Yeah, to nothing. I read about that somewhere. But, it, but anyway, this this new thing this new thing is called a super chat. Now this was a this was a feature that was introduced after we had our monetization taken away because we were small and YouTube keeps changing the rules. But now we've got it back and we have we have this new thing. So basically, what this is is you can push that button and you can give us money. And and you can leave a message too, if, and then sure. apparently, <coughs> excuse me, as I understand the etiquette, people who give us super chats, we acknowledge them and we read the super chats live during the sure. live stream. So, you want to, you want to, if people are kind enough to do that sort of thing, you definitely want to say thank sure. you. Sure. Now I will issue this caveat that if you're, you know. Rude, crude, and socially unacceptable in the chat. We reserve the right not to read the the message, but you know. Well, we 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 are trying to we are trying to encourage <coughs> sort of a you know politeness, polite, civil. Uh, measured criticism is acceptable, um, and uh, that sort of thing. But uh, be nice, be nice, or Let's at least see. be polite. Okay, so we're half an hour into our show. And not talked about the thing we haven't, planned haven't to talk talked about, about our haven't talked about our topic yet. We actually so. had a topic. We swear, honest. Mm -hmm. I know sometimes it's hard to tell with us, but there actually was a plan. Friday also was Alien Day. Four twenty seven. Four twenty six. Four twenty six. LV four two six. All right. I'm still getting over whatever this was that got me last Thursday. So. So why don't you introduce the? Why don't you talk about it? So for those of you who may for for all the for all the Star Wars for all the Star Trek for all the big things of the big feature films, and the fact that there were two films that came out in the last decade or so, not even that long, really, that have the word alien attached to them. Uh -huh. um, I will maintain that you go back to the original trilogy, uh, and I will defend Alien Three. For parts of the film, um, it's not. If I, I, I will defend it for certain reasons, but but in any but but leaving that aside, um, you go back to the original film, the yeah. original Alien film, and you consider what we look at in terms of what is horror, what is science fiction, the way science fiction films look, the way horror films look. You consider the concept of the 
what kind of horror films are coming for, haunted house films and that sort of thing. You can look at how H.P. Um, uh, Lovecraft has been adapted in film. So many of these things came together mm -hmm. in this film. And when you consider that the original Alien film was basically a haunted house story in space. Yes. Um, with where you almost never see the creature until the end. You and you can find the test footage online. Um, I'm sure there's you can it's easily found on YouTube where they show how they originally planned to have the creature move around mm -hmm. uh, and how the alien and it just did not work. Um, there were so many things that could have gone wrong with this, and it ended up be creating one of the most iconic film monsters of the late 20th century. Yeah, it's almost it reminds me of the story of of Bruce in Jaws. Mm -hmm. the that one of the reasons you don't see the shark too often in the movie is because the shark didn't work yeah the mechanical shark kept breaking and so it was it was not it was a creative choice necessitated by a technical problem but when it, it's it's almost a it's almost a hitchcockian thing where you know if you imply what's there and you let the audience fill in the blanks it's much more terrifying it's much more scary oh especially when you consider that the the actual alien monster the costume that they make is gorgeous mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah i mean it is, it is a brilliant piece of costuming it's a brilliant piece of of creation of an alien thing mm -hmm. and Keeping it in the dark, keeping it in the distance, keeping it, you know, letting you see something cur like a tail curve or a claw or, or the mouth. This was, you know, you weren't hiding uh, poorly done work. Right. You were instead building suspense. And this is something that, again, you know, note, note to modern filmmakers, uh, restraint and uh, tension and, you know, wait for it. And build, you know, build, build thing, build tension through the visuals, through the music, through the sound. These are all great things. You know, quick cuts and, and jump scares are not necessarily. Uh, I'm not going to say there's not a place for a jump scare, because there is. And there are a, there are a couple of them in Alien. Oh sure, um, and but at the same time, um, it's a it's a finely crafted film by um, a filmmaker at the top of his game. Mm -hmm. Who Ridley Scott? Who has not always produced the best sequels to this film? Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, Aliens, of course. Well, no, no. Let's before we can get to talk about Aliens, let's you know, created one of the most iconic heroes in cinema, uh, and one of the first female action heroes. By accident. By accident, because of course it wasn't intended to be cast as it was not written for a woman. Right. Um, but Sigourney Weaver, of course, played the part and created a really amazing uh, hero and a character that was very relatable, um, who was not afraid to show that she was afraid, but was also somebody who, when challenged, mm -hmm. uh, fought for the things she cared about. And it's a, I mean, it's a really creepy scary movie it's it one is of the last yep. films that i saw as a kid that i was frightened by i think one of the reasons why ripley works is because the character was written as a three-dimensional person 
the character wasn't written as a type. I'm going to argue that in the second one you see more of that. In the first one, if you look, if you look closely at all the characters in that film, they are relatively, and this is I love the movie, but they're relatively flat characters. There's so many characters in that film. Some of them are. Ripley. Ripley doesn't strike me as being relatively flat. I mean, as far as single dimension. There's just there's not but, a whole lot of depth to any of them. But Ripley gives more depth because the character gets more time on screen. I also, think if the other ones... Because you get a little bit of development with Dallas. You get some depth bit, with him. But again, it's, it's one of those things where... And with Ash. And you look at some of the... You, especially when you look at the cast and you how much... There were much, much bigger stars than Sigourney Weaver in mm-hmm, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John Hurt, <sighs> you have Dakota, um, you know, some really just... You know, people who had been on screen and built very powerful screen presences before. Um, so I think that the what they start in Alien, they certainly complete in in Aliens. Yeah, which was a completely shift in genre because Aliens is not as much a horror film as is an action movie with monsters. Yeah, yeah. And then I think for a lot of folks who were expecting, because it was, I mean. For all the success of Alien, Aliens blew it out of the water. I mean, it was a completely different kind of film, and it really captured the imagination of a lot of moviegoers. And I think some of that is when it was made, as far as... Because Alien was, what, 79? Mm -hmm. So you were coming just out of 2001, Star Wars, Star Trek... Mm -hmm. um, Battlestar Galactica was on the air. Um, Space 1999 was out there. So there wasn't a whole lot in terms of big, grand science fiction spectacle things. Close Encounters. Close Encounters was a quiet movie for all that it was big at the end with the ship. It was still a quiet character piece. It wasn't this this rock'em, sock'em robots action well, picture. In the, the, 80s, the 80s horror <coughs> explosion hadn't happened yet. Where right. You didn't have... You hadn't had the thing. You hadn't had Halloween. You had, but the eighties. The eighties were a time where you were getting a lot of the action movies. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I think yeah. this was this was part of that too. It was, so. and I think I think that actually was one of the reasons for all for all the issues with Alien Three. And there are a lot of issues. Mm. Do not think I don't. Know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so much of it happened behind the scenes before we even got. To the movie that we saw, yeah. But they also tended to go back to something of a horror vibe, and I think that once you have taken it into that kind of space as Aliens takes it, making Alien Three and pulling it into a, even something resembling a horror space, it's got to be a really, really, really good script. Yeah. I don't think they had. And for all the problems of that film, um, I just don't think they had what they needed there. Because parts of that, I I love. I mean, I, I hate I hate the opening of that movie. I hate it with a passion. Um, but the idea of people trapped in a space they cannot leave again, just mm. like the first film, um, that sense of of inevitability, that uh, uh, and some of the moments at the end actually I think are are very well done in terms of setting up the greater mythology of. The alien franchise but except the one the one big thing that bugs me about alien 3 and it always has it, it bugged me from the very beginning 
uh, is how you get as far as I can as far as I can remember you've got three different embryos because you've got the one with the dog because mm. the dog gets one mm. Ripley gets one mm. and then there's at least one more mm. with the regular xenomorph that, that's running around and up until that point a face hugger drops one and how did three get wherever they were and how did one get in ripley i mean the the very underlying premise of the entire film oh i don't disagree uh, that that was that always bugged me about that because it didn't it didn't make any narrative sense well i think unfortunately um it's one of the casualties of that whole production process because the film oh. that we saw was not the film that anybody intended to be seen. Oh, I know. From I know. The director and the cast and the writers and anything, but they ended up getting there. In fact, it's the only alien film where the, the when, when they put out the special editions of the alien films, the director's cuts and the commentaries, it's like, no, I'm not coming to play because it was... <coughs> And the irony was when, when I first found out who David, that David Fincher was going to direct this film, mm-hmm. my first question was, who in the world is David Fincher? Yeah. I had to look him up, uh, and, and I was underwhelmed at best mm-hmm. because at that point, his claim to fame was directing Madonna music videos. Right. And I thought, why are they giving him the Alien franchise? What has he got? Has he got something on somebody, or has he got some fantastic? Well, it was it was this. Yeah. You know, he must have some really great idea for them to hand this. You know, they hand this this money making franchise over to a newbie. He's got to have the chops. And then the movie came out, and it was an utter disaster. And I thought this this is going to kill the franchise, and it almost did. Yeah, but that was that was very little. Of that was actually his specific fault well and i understand it now but when it comes out you know oh, when yeah. you when you when the movie comes out you don't know any of that oh, you right. look at this and you're just like oh this is this is not a they killed the little girl they killed hicks yeah I think the opening that, off that, camera the opening that film makes me very angry but yeah. it's also one of those as somebody who has made films and is keenly aware that even on the level where you're controlling things the way that we get to control them on mm. the independent level, no. things do not end up on the studio level and the history of that. Now, we know that there is... Now, there's a comic book version of the of an Alien 3 script that is outright... That is com- the one by William Gibson. The one by William Gibson. Yep. And it's very interesting. Um, and there has been multiple attempts to do an Alien 3... By, well, there were multiple, some really, really talented authors uh, and writers who were doing versions of Alien 3 scripts, most of which never actually made it to the final version that we got to see. Yeah, well, in Gibson's script, we just got notification that Audible, uh, the audiobooks people, they're taking William Gibson's Alien 3 script and they're making an audio production. Full cast recording. Full cast recording, including Michael Bean. Yeah. Back as Hicks, and that's going to be real interesting to hear what that story is. Yeah, because it's going to be um, 
For for some fans, you could argue that there were two Alien movies, and then a whole bunch of spinoff material. Yeah. Because there have been novels and comics, and there's more than one audiobook out there uh, that have been versions of novels, and I think, there, I think there's at least one audiobook that's a standalone without any other material. Mm. Um, there have been video games of varying degrees of quality. Yeah. I think one out of every. I think there's. I think there's one that's considered the good one. I think right, it's yeah. the the Colonial Marines one that came out here not too long ago. Um, um I, <coughs> I'd have to. I'd have to look I at that think again. That was not the case. I think. It was and then, of course, you had a lot of people comparing Starship Troopers to Aliens. Right. When that one came out. So, as far as not only the the spinoffs, but also the ripoffs. So-called, oh, you know God, the the comparisons were... and yeah, the other uh, stuff. Alien, the first Alien film inspired a whole <laughs> slew of science fiction. Did you see? There's a new Critters movie out on Blu-ray. I was not aware of that. Yes, and brand I, new Critters and I sequel. I may have to watch because I cannot even tell you. How much. I I couldn't tell you what the title is. It's Critters Critters Unleashed Critters. Mm-hmm. Something I'm not sure. I can't remember. Critters is in the title. Uh, Alien but, Isolation, I think, is the video game you're thinking of. Uh, was the uh, one that had good acclaim. Mm, mm. Um, the uh, Alien Colonial Marines was, I believe, the one that cost a lot of. Oh yeah. Um, received negative reviews to technical problems, low quality graphics, uh, weak enemy, artificial okay. intelligence. All they right. got sued. Uh, it was in it was in my head for some reason. I because because it's a great title and it should be a good it should be a good uh, uh, a game if you're going to have it be a call of Blood and Warriors. Yeah. Um, the it's been it's been a rough it's been a rough road since the first two. Um, the third one for all its behind the scenes stuff. The fourth one, uh, Joss Whedon wrote the script for. Mm-hmm. Um, he swears uh, every time he gets a chance that the script they. What made it to the screen is not what he wrote, and and to a certain extent, I can believe that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I got to think about this this morning. the The ideas that are in that one are kind of interesting from a certain sure. standpoint because you look at, you know, up until that point, Ripley is pretty much a one note character. You know, for all of the for all of the depth of the dimension and the whatever, um, Ripley is in the wrong place in the wrong time. The only one that that knows enough how to fight these things and wins. Sure, sure. And we've done it three times now. Mm-hmm. So now, what do you do? New? Well, what if Ripley is the monster? And I think, and if you and you flip around the monster of the first film, of course, was the was the uh, synthetic. Mm. And you make the synthetic in the fourth film an ally, right? Uh, I mean, they certainly in Bishop Bishop was an ally in the second one, but um, you know, it's very much a flip the flip the the script there for for those two types of characters. Yeah, and and I think I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I think there is I think there is a moment. Uh, where Sigourney Weaver's performance shifts ever so slightly when she realizes who she is not. Mm. When she realizes that she's a clone, things kind of 
snap for her reality a little bit. Not not as far as like a, a, a mental snap. She doesn't go crazy right. or anything like that. But it's almost a sense of loss of self. Mm-hmm. And then she and then when she learns that not only is she a clone of Ripley, but there's xenomorph DNA in her, so she's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. And the monster is there. Then you see another click, mm-hmm. and her. I, I'd have to go back and see just how how much her performance changes on those beats. She, she but, I, I, there's never a question of Sigourney Weaver's performance in any of these films. No, she's always doing a fantastic job. And there's some actually some really good character moments in Alien Four. Mm. The problem with Alien Four, to my mind, is that it forgot it was a horror film except for few, for some very brief moments. The scene where you see the previous clones is a yeah, horror film. Yeah, that, that is. The scenes where um, it, it, it neither embraced the horror origins of the series, and it did not embrace the action origins or, uh, of the series. Yeah, it tried to do something kind of in between and, and so didn't you, quite you get it. Have these, you have these characters with the, the mercenary crew who are the action heroes. Mm-hmm. And then you have the horror of hybridization and cloning and, you know, you've made me a monster and all these things. And they didn't embrace either one. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that, that hurt the story. So whatever, um, whatever potential it had, felt a little bit squandered. And then it sat quiet for a while and there were all kinds of cool rumors about this film or that film thing we're going to get and we're like ooh that's great and, and, and art started popping up on the internet and everyone's like ooh that's cool and then Ridley Scott says oh no no wait no wait you skipped one did I? you skipped one did I? yeah you did because we talk about you, know, you talk about the 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 spinoffs and the ripoffs oh, yeah, and the yeah, yeah. and the and the things inspired. There was in another movie an Easter egg in the movie Predator Two, right? Yes, okay. starring um, I just went blank on his name, Roger Murtaugh, uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover, thank you. Danny uh, an underrated predator from my personal <clears throat> and and a surprising choice for the lead in that, given that it's an action fi- film. But Danny Glover's character gets Everyone on knows old for this. No, I know. Um, Danny Glover's character gets on board the predator ship, mm-hmm. makes his way to the trophies <laughs> hanging yeah. on the wall, and some eagle-eyed fan noticed. That in the trophy room is the skull and spine of a xenomorph, mm-hmm. and uh, it there there was no internet like there is now back right, then. Yeah. Had there been, it would have exploded. It exploded. Um, as it was, fandom did. There was a lot of chatter back and forth. There was a lot of talk about yeah, it. And and, did you see? Did you see? Did you see? And you'll note that when I started talking about the Scott movies, I did skip over both the Alien and Predator movies. I did that on purpose. Yeah. But they exist. Lies. Lies and slander. I gotta say, they <laughs> exist. And... What was interesting about them, even though even though they weren't all that great, I do want to point out though there is one there is one other spinoff uh, Easter egg scene involving the alien creature that is that trumps them all. It is literally the best one of all time. You're talking about spaceballs. Talking about spaceballs. Ah. 
Come on. I mean, William Hurt sitting in the diner. Yeah. William okay. Hurt. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, not William right. Hurt. John Hurt. John Hurt. John Hurt sitting in the diner. And <laughs> that would have been a different thing. William Hurt. Very funny. Mm. And, he's, and suddenly, you know, his chest starts to do the thing. And he looks no. down and he says, Not again. Oh, no, not again. And his chest blows up. And then it does the hell of my. Hell of my yes. Hell yes. Of my Michigan J. Frog. It is. It is. It is so funny. Ludicrous. It is funny, and it is. That's one of the few. That's one of the few moments I went. My son and I watched uh, Spaceballs here not too long ago, yeah. and it's the first time I've seen it since it came out. And I watched oh, it. Wow, really? You know, I I I've never watched it. Well, I mean, I I saw it when it came out, but I've never felt compelled to watch oh, yeah. it over and over and over it's again. It's it's a one comedy. and done. It's not the greatest comedy of all time, but it has its moments. But I watched it with my kid the other uh, a while back, and I'm maybe I'm turning into an old fogey. You know, worried too much about my lawn, but Spaceballs has not aged well for me. It has not. No, it's 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 not. It's and it's not so much. You know, it's a product of its time, but the humor is much more crass than I remember. Mm. And it's, maybe it's, it's you know humor. being there really is no. There, it's it's. I know. Well, I'm wondering if being a dad makes me a little bit more sensitive to that sort of thing because I'm like, I don't want my kid talking like this. This is this is. But it's also. I mean, it, it is. It's not the finest Mel Brooks picture. No, it's not. I mean, it's got its moments. Oh yeah, I mean, most mostly involving Rick Moranis. Yeah. Dark, 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 dark helmet. Dark helmet. Uh, when is this happening? Now, now, now. <laughs> Well, we kind of did one of those moments at uh, at Plaza Popcon on on Saturday, where right. we you know, put our camera on the screen, and we saw the screen, and we saw the screen, and we saw the screen. Right. So yeah, there's there's moments of it, but it's it's yeah. it, it's not uh, it has not aged as well as some of the comedies from that time. In fact, a lot of the comedies from that time period have not aged well. No, uh, it turns out that a lot of comedy uh, is time sensitive and not in a necessarily who good knew. Way. But yes, so there were, there were the Alien and Alien versus Predator films, and honestly, there are parts of the first one of those. I like Lance Henriksen showing up. I do too, and I also like the fact that it tried to, for for even where it failed, it tried to do an interesting thing with the mythology, mm-hmm. and I think it didn't work in several ways. But I think they tried, and the problem is for me that film should have been, again, much more a horror movie, yeah, much more a. Uh, explore it's it, well a haunted house in Antarctica, really. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, you're trapped inside with two monsters with the alien. Yeah, yeah, and no. it should have been it should have been much much scarier. And it, it was unfortunately a PG-13 film, as I recall. I think so. Yeah, I think uh, the first even one. if it was an R, it was a super soft R. No, I think it was PG-13. And for horror, um, I, I'm, I'm aware that that studios look at the the numbers here and they say you know teenagers love horror films, let's get them in there. And 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 I get it from an economic standpoint. But from a storytelling standpoint and from a horror film mm-hmm. uh, uh, fan standpoint, PG-13, if used if used well, can be – you can do a very effective horror film. The first Halloween film with some very, very minor cuts, yeah. I mean super minor cuts, would have ended up being – could be a PG-13 film. But how many films have been able to capture the kind of tension that Carpenter managed to pull off in the first Halloween film? Right. The answer is very few. So yeah. uh, it's a balancing act, and they just weren't quite there. Now, the second Aliens versus Predator film, I have very little good to say about. 
it's it's shot as if the lens cap is not quite still on, but it's you kind of. I mean, I, I I realize there are folks who probably are fans, and my apologies if you know I don't I don't I don't. You're, you're, there are you're probably like, people out there who don't even know those two films exist. That's true, and you're and honestly. For completion's sake, if you want to see all the films, if you want to see aliens fighting predators, it is kind of cool. It is kind of cool, but they're they're not. Neither one of them is a great movie. No, neither the, neither one of them is a worthy. There's sequel. there's no compelling lead character. I mean, in the first one, kind of a little bit, but there's really not. Well, that's and that's another, that's another thing they kind of I felt they sh- they did poorly in the first Alien versus Predator was that they did not develop these characters. So yeah. when Lance Henriksen shows up, it's a great visual, and it's like aha. Uh huh. But there's no. At that at that point, you should really start be starting to feel something for. And I can't remember the name of the the, the lady who played the lead. Yeah. You should be feeling more for her, and I, I appreciate the fact that they actually tried to give us another female lead in the franchise. But it just they they it, weren't gonna. They, it, you her, can't just do that. Her attitude to me felt a little off, like. <clears throat> She probably was wondering what the hell she was doing there. That well, it see, it didn't, it didn't feel like that though, because I remember thinking, "You're awfully calm about this. You should be, you should be terrified right like, now." Treat it like a horror film, and she, and she would have been. Uh, yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that bugged me is that she was a little bit too even keeled. Mm. So by the time Henriksen's character shows up, she should have been just. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And and she's just like, this. There's this thing down here. We need to do something about it. And yeah. that's wait, no, that you should you should you should be run, scream, run, scream, yeah. screaming yeah, and running. And the second one, they tried to lean more into the horror aspects, but again, it's just um, again, it, it a lot of times you know, a lot of people work on a lot. Of, a huge number of people work on a feature film, and, and I'm sure those people tried very, very hard, and it just didn't. Meet. It's a valiant effort. It's a valiant effort. It doesn't meet the, the mark. Yeah. Unfortunately, the next two were brought to you by the guy what started, kicked off the whole thing, and um, both, I think Dustin and I have reviewed both of these on, yeah. on uh, some Apocalypse Now, and I'm pretty sure that our response was, what are you doing? <laughs> I have um, just a, a real quick programming note for those of you who are watching. I have a tickle in my throat, so yeah. instead of coughing into the microphone, I'm going to give you something else to drink. I never saw those two films. So here's the problem. So you can yeah, talk. So here's the problem with those two films. Um, they're gorgeous, by the way. They both look great. They both are beautifully shot. Um, the the alien, what we the visuals in the films are uh, of the alien societies and the concepts and all these things. They look fantastic. And unfortunately. What we got was Scott saying this isn't really going to be an alien. Well, first it was going to be an alien sequel, and then it was a prequel, and then it was a, you know, it's going to be a, it's not really an alien movie. It's set in the same universe, and it's all these different things. So by the time we actually get the film, we get something that turned, the first film, you know, uh, turns out to be something that is very much a, an alien prequel that doesn't quite fit into the mythology we already know. And the second film, uh, takes that even further and is, again, a beautiful movie. It looks fantastic. And really kind of plays with the mythology more. 
and it's also not really an alien film. And that's perfectly fine. Look, if look, it's your it's your uh, box of toys. All right, you you create your films, you make the film you want to make. I'm perfectly on board with that. But the problem with both these films, the, at the core, is that every person, every human being on the camera, on screen during these films, is a moron. Including the robot. These are the no the, the only the only character with a lick of sense, and he's evil, um, uh, is the robot, and he's just he's not the brightest robot, but uh, and he's has a penchant for you know evil monologuing, but like you do, sure. But honestly, there is we actually make sure that our astronauts who go into space have things like degrees and. Um, you know, unless unless you're sending along a teacher, but the, even those teachers, you know, teachers they, have degrees. They yeah, train they're smart. Hard. Mm -hmm. They might not be not necessarily an astrophysics degree or something like that. You right. Know, but they got the yeah, they certainly have degrees. But I mean, they they train hard to make those trips. So we we send professionals into space. We send people into space who are going to react to difficult situations in a calm, rational manner because otherwise you die. You would hope that would be the case. Apparently, in the future. This is not done. Ah. Uh, do you remember the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where they put the people, they put the telephone cleaners on the Ark, and they kick them off in the, off the planet with the hope that if they remove this one third of the population who is completely useless, that uh, their entire civilization will improve. And unfortunately, they die later from the from a, a, a germ germ a germy phone. But still, um, <laughs> so this use advertising executives and <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's kind of what apparently happens in the future because these folks are some of the worst. They go on alien planets with no face masks. Um, they uh, they touch things. They touch the alien monster that's looking at him, going, "Hi there, am I an alien monster? Ooh, let me touch you. Touch, touch." I mean, these people have no self-preservation, and unfortunately, that runs from both films. And what was the second one called? Covenant. Oh, Covenant was the second one. Covenant what was, was the was second it? one. Um, oh God, I don't even know now. It's all blurring. Alien. Uh, Oh, for heaven's sakes. So anyway, Covenant... For, re for I don't know why I was thinking Covenant was the first one. No, and unfortunately, Covenant um, Covenant had some really neat opportunities to play with things because um, there were religious themes in Covenant with some of the characters that they told us and then promptly abandoned. Um, the the There was some real potential here to play with because, of course, in many ways, the villain... Um, the the again evil synthetic they they uh, right. Prometheus was the first oh Prometheus okay yeah yep. it's alien Prometheus um, they they had a potential to play because there was an undercurrent that the Covenant crew that's the name of the ship um, were was just some of them certainly had had religious beliefs that if they had played if they had allowed this to run with because of course the first film is that this alien species created humanity. Ah, uh, okay. And that this, and that at the end of of uh, uh, Prometheus, the alien species decides to destroy humanity. We didn't turn out the way they planned. However, we don't give enough information to know why this would be the case. There's a whole lot yeah. of, of vagueness that hand wavium. Not, not even hand wavium. It's more like shrug, you know, because you don't even know what's going on to some degree. The, the reason why they created humanity, no reason. Okay. Why they want to destroy humanity? Also, no reason. Gotcha. No actual okay. reason. Okay. Cool. And so, you in the second film, when you have these characters, um, uh, like Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup, I think is he. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. he's. Um, they actually make a point of, of commenting about his character's religious beliefs, and they, I mean, it's a point made. It's yeah. it's meant to be part of the story, and they promptly abandon it at the critical moments when this character's religious beliefs would actually be cool for the story. It's a it's it's a film full of wasted opportunities, and not to mention one of the most uncomfortable flute scenes. Um, it's almost as if Hollywood doesn't know what to do with characters that have faith because they don't understand faith. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's uh, what, potentially that can be an issue with some things. I think, unfortunately, here what they failed to understand is that if you give a character that if you have, establish a character that does have faith, then it can be something where if you're going to make a point about it, mm-hmm. okay. It's storytelling, okay? Make a point about something. You can't just drop it. Right? It's Chekhov's gun. You have to have... if And in this, if you have this character who has this strong religious face, faith being confronted by what is essentially um, a, you know, a, a character playing God, you need to have the moment where the character sits there and says something about it. Instead, the character does this. Ooh, it's a, it's a weird alien thing. Let me touch it. Because apparently this is how the future works now, and it's it's so disappointing because you have the the casts are great, the casts are fantastic, the films are gorgeous, mm-hmm. but I am I am waiting to capture that moment of that that monster in the darkness. Right. Scary thing. The the future generations have been influenced so much by social media. You know, turn on the camera and let's touch and see what happens. I don't even have Twitter in this in this in this brave new future. And, and oh, I hope I hope I, Twitter. But it's it's really unfortunate because again, you know, Ridley Scott is is stylistically he's he makes beautiful movies and again fantastic cast. The only there's, thing there's some, there's some good things out of them, but they're just yeah. Really I re- I remember when says. when Covenant came out, one of the things that I saw a lot on the internet was. Uh, the clip where this thing is falling, you know, the the tower is collapsing and is mm. falling over. Oh, that's Prometheus. And, yeah. Was that Prometheus? Yeah, yeah, the, the running in a straight and line. The running in a straight line. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, you're running in the straight line where the thing is falling. Why don't you go this way, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, perpendicular no direction to the thing? But that's not... That's not unique to that film. No, 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 it's not. But it is... Look, I mean, this... Again, fantastic casts wasted by um, not thinking things through mm. and and not treating things with... You look, you look at the first Alien film and for all the technology leaps ahead that we've made where you look at some of the special effects, you know, the, the ship design, that sort of thing, you're kind of like, okay, that's clearly a product of its time. No. Um... There's there's a, a tension to building tension and to building that you know that, that great scene that great scene in Aliens where the the it's on top of us you can't see it where is it it's a, it's in the mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that wasn't original to Aliens it was in Alien and it was one person yeah and it was there's so much well crafted scary moments that in in with some really solid science fiction right. And it had that same kind of lived-in universe feel that Star Wars had. So it actually felt like a... Which added are, to it. These are people... The who, atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so unfortunately, when you look at what... And I, and I, and I realize the type how we tell stories changes with movies. And this is something that just evolves for good and for ill. 
But it's just unfortunate that uh, even with Ridley Scott, and the franchise is still going, okay? The, the next film out could be really the one that we all sit there and go, aha, this is it. It just got released to the internet. Did you see? No. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Hey, you, you have, because um, Ridley Scott's working on another one. Yeah. Okay, so I I remember they've made money when uh... when Covenant came out. Then it became uh, Neil Blomkamp's not going to make his, yeah. and everybody was really disappointed because some of the original, some of the some of the artwork, the concept art that started coming out, started looking really interesting. But the new Alien movie that's just come out, it's got posted to YouTube. Listen to me. I, I sound like an old man. They got posted to the YouTube. Um, Which is, as far as you yeah. know, is an actual tube. It, it could be. Um, uh, the high school play. <laughs> the high school adaptation. Have you have you <laughs> no, seen any of it? it. Oh, they Apparently, they have posted video of the entire play now. Um, I'm on board with this. Well, Sigourney Weaver has been there, and oh. she's seen it, and oh. she's endorsed it. Excellent. And apparently, I guess, I guess, is it, well, is it the first Alien or is it the second Alien that they did? Yeah, was it, no, is it the first one? It's yeah. the first one they did. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and she, she's there. She's seen the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They've got her, they've got video of her on stage talking about how great, you know, how innovative and creative and all this stuff is. It's really cool. But can you imagine something like that in your high school? If you were, if or even in college, where you're doing such an ambitious something, mm-hmm. one, I'm wondering how in the world they dealt with the rights, because if you're doing an original adaptation of Alien in the middle of 20th Century Fox being acquired by Disney. They hopefully, hopefully they they knew somebody. I, went, you know, I, you gotta wonder, and hopefully they don't get dinged or anything well, like I'm, this I'm because stunned you know. because when I was in when I was in high, I'm a theater kid. I was high school in theater in, in college, and we uh, this was the '80s, of course. So it was '80s in Kansas, so it was a little different than where 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 was this done? You know, uh, up northeast somewhere, I think. Um, so we we would do shows, and every time we would roll out something that was even remotely, uh, even barely controversial, we would get backlash. I mean, we did we did Amadeus. Um, we were the first school in the Midwest to do Amadeus, yeah. uh, and and in high school level. And there are people who are like, was this after the movie came out? Um, yeah, actually. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's one of the reasons we got people who are like, you know, oh, he he rails against God, and it's like. Have you read the play? And it's like yes, but he's you know anyway. It's a thing, and and I played Salieri. It's one of my still one of my finest acting moments. Uh, terrifying as hell, but it was it was great. Um, so we would deal, and then certainly we would deal. We had issues with the Diary of Frank. We had issues with a lot of things that we did. Yeah, um, but that's audience reaction. That's not no. This, this that's not stuff, right. This, no, this was stuff before we even. We would announce that we were doing these shows, and yeah. we'd get parents who were like, "How could you do this?" Like uh, theater. So the idea that they would even sit there and go, "You know, we're going to do a film, we're going to do, we're going to do a play based on a horror movie, a well, science fiction horror movie." Okay, that is awesome. Okay, okay, three things. Okay, all right. I am so excited about watching this. Now. <laughs> when you when you talk about 
the parents reacting to the content of the play, of, of whatever your choices are of the programming. One, look at the generation gap. This is true. The parents who yep. are reacting to this are the same ones going, you're making a play about well, aliens? The, pe- the, the, parents, the, <laughs> the parents of these high schoolers mm-hmm. are our age. I know. <laughs> and so it makes it, you know, it does. But because um, I remember... Um, I remember at one point I had the idea of adapting Star Trek Two for t- for stage. Oh sure, because it's if you could you could, you, you could. Yeah. Um, and I thought about it. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to get the rights to anything right. like that. And of course, you know, by the, by the time it became a, a, an idea in my head, I was already out of high school anyway. But um, after after I got married and we moved up here. Um, Early '90s. This was a long time ago. Uh, we got we got the idea of doing the Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, up about an hour north of here uh, is a little town called St. Joseph, Missouri, which is where the Pony Express headquarters was. Uh, Jesse James from up around there, and every year they had this arts festival called Trails West, and we decided, hey, let's put together a a, a, a theater community. Because sure. we had done, you know, there were several of us that had done community theater, and we kind of got together and we said, you know, you know what this town needs is radio theater. Hey guys, let's put on a show. Hey guys, let's put on a show, and we, and we did, and we we put together a troupe that actually did old time radio theater, and we thought, well, wouldn't it be neat if we could do the Lone Ranger? I wonder what would be involved, and it took me. Maybe about a month to track down who owned the rights to the show because not only do you have to go back to the the Clinton Spillsbury movie right. from Warner Brothers, but also you got to go back even further to the TV show with Clayton Moore, which is based on the radio show from WXYZ with Clayton Moore, and and even further back than that, you know, with WXYZ, and then you get into the pulps that that started the whole thing when you know, Fran Stryker wrote. So I'm doing all of this research, and I'm trying to find it, and I finally tracked it down to a company called Broadway Video up in New York, mm-hmm. which is Lorne Michaels, oh, Saturday right. Night Live. And I, I wrote him a letter. This is back before there was internet and email mm-hmm. and all that. I wrote him a letter. I said, here's, here's, what we're, here's what we're doing. Here's what it's for. Here's what we'd like to do. You know, we're, it was, we were 501c3, nonprofit. We, wanna, we want to adapt early – episodes of the Lone Ranger for radio and because that's where it started. Right. Just kind of take it back to its roots. Okay, fine. And I did I didn't think that we were gonna get it. Or or they if we did, then it would just be, you know, pay us this sure, X thousand right. dollars. For those of you who, who if you've never experienced this uh, when you do a play or you do something like this, adapt something like this, but mostly a stage plays, a lot of those, they're, you're renting yeah. the script. You're paying for permission to produce the show. Right. And there are very, there, in some cases, there are very specific guidelines to yeah. that production that you have to abide by. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's always an interesting thing. Um, I know places where basically you have to send the script back mm-hmm. when you're done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some of them you did. Now imagine my surprise when I get a packet. Not just a letter, but a packet mm-hmm. with a letter enclosed saying, yeah, go ahead. No fee. Mm-hmm. 
And they sent us copies of the shooting scripts for the first five episodes of the Clayton Moore series. With notes written on the scripts from people who used the scripts when they were shot. I I about fell out of my chair when I when I opened it. I was like, are you kidding me? Now they weren't the actual shooting scripts, of course. They were photocopies. But you could see you could see all of the notes that people I think I've still got them somewhere. Um but I thought this is a this is great. This is wonderful. And we were able to do, you know, we were able to put together five five episodes of the Lone Ranger in addition to all of the different things that we were doing. Mm-hmm. So to sit there and and see what this high school has done with Alien, one, I know what kind of labor is going to be involved sure. in yeah, adapting yeah. that script. How do you stage that? What kind of what kind of of you know, set design and mm-hmm. costume design, and where are you going to put the thing? How are you going to stage and this yeah. and that and the other? And and I, I'm I I'm going to have to check it out myself. But is, yeah, it's I am the new Alien movies on YouTube. To you guys, because that is that is amazing. Yeah, and a lot of people were worried they were going to get shut down. Oh, we're not going to bad. Yeah, I'll get a cease and desist from from Fox or or Disney now, but. Um, I think with Sigourney Weaver coming out there and giving it an endorsement, I don't think they're going to be in trouble. It would, it would look bad. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, it would. Admittedly, the uh, <clears throat> there is a certain amount of fear that if you say something wrong about the House of the Mouse, the lo- the legal team will arrive. You'll open the door and they'll be like, "We've been waiting for you to answer the door." Ah. Yeah, but. that that actually that might be something worth talking about some point because in the midst of all of the big Captain Marvel brouhaha Mm. um, there are several places that have reported that certain certain reporters have anonymously conditionally admitted to giving some favorable reviews in in exchange for maintaining access to being able to do reviews. Well, one would hope that's not the case. That's the play, folks. That's well, and that and it does seem like um, an ethical thing. Yeah, well, it, and and it's come out, and I don't know how much of this, but apparently, especially with with regard to Disney films. Well, and we saw the big uh, the big dust up between uh, Disney and what was it Los Angeles Times, mm-hmm. you know, and and they shut Los Angeles Times out. So there were a number of other critics who sat there and said, "Okay, fine, we're not going to review it either if you're going right, to do yeah. that." And it kind of blew back what on them. I can't remember now. Yeah, um, it wasn't Captain Marvel. Was no, it? It was but two three years ago. Yeah, something like that. But it's also coming out with regard to Star Wars with Last Jedi. Um, with Captain Marvel, uh, maybe with a couple of others, it basically says, you know, we we gave these films more favorable reviews than we otherwise should have, would have, so Disney doesn't shut us out. Which and, um, is not how it's supposed to work, folks. No, and, it's and, not. I mean, for – this is not the first time Disney – and this is – okay, we're not going this – is, this is not the Attack Disney show, but the, this is not – We can do that. This is not you want the to, first you want to do one? Not no. This time. All right. Um, we're, we're, we're over our, our hour as it is. Um, but no, there. Um, 
this is not the first time that, that Disney has uh, yeah. flexed its muscles in terms of in terms of how it wants to be perceived, uh, and it's not a recent thing either. So Disney Disney's got something of a you know history over time. I think at some point we might want to look at it because in in certain instances, I think maybe in the case of Captain Marvel, for example, you and I are going to come down on different uh, on different sides of certain parts of that argument. Possibly. Um, with regard to um, Rotten Tomatoes and some of that other stuff that happened. so Possibly or possibly not. No, we'll I'm see. Right, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Only one I'll let you be. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we are, like you said, we are past our hour, um, which really kind of, uh, should we should we worry about that much? Well, so the the hour guideline is a place for us to give you know a target. I think we can go over, we can go under. It's it's our show. We can do what we want. That's true. This my show. I just let you live here. <coughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Fine. Um, all right. So, um, what shall we talk about next week? What do you want to talk about next week? Um, I don't know. We uh, we actually ask? could. Uh, <laughs> We could talk about spoilers. There was another option that we were talking about. Uh, yeah. So there's there's certainly a place to talk about things when it comes to spoilers. Especially mm. these type. This time. Well, yeah. Let's let's do this because okay. So there is uh yeah. Min, Mindy is saying that it's fun to listen to us ramble. I don't yeah. think so much. Um, we could do uh, that because uh, you know Game of Thrones this weekend. Avengers Endgame this weekend. There was a lot of stuff that happened with regard to spoilers and people unfriending people on social media because of the spoilers. Apparently there was an NFL player who got raked over the coals and just has been pilloried and bushwhacked all all sorts of different ways for posting all sorts of spoilers for Endgame over on uh, over on Twitter. So, yeah, lots to talk about. Are is it important to avoid spoilers or does it matter? So, I guess that could be our that'll that'll be our topic for next week. We'll just figure out what format this is going to take because it'll depend on where everybody is. Right. But all right, so that's our plan. Next week, same bat time, same bat channel, and I'm gonna let you close out. I gotta go push the button. button. All right. Well, as always, folks, we do appreciate you listening and watching us as we ramble about. Thanks a lot, Mindy. Um, We would also like to say again, thank you to SuperheroStuff.com, who sponsors the show, and of course, uh, you can get a 10% discount Sci-Fi for Me 10 when you're checking out. Uh, Check out their really fantastic collection of just great genre things. Uh, It's like a a candy store for genre fans. So uh, we'll be back next week with more H2O. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Bye. And again, thank you, guys. We will see you later. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.